0: We're offering 15% off a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair. Visit VanityFair.com today and use promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15 for 15% off a yearly digital subscription to everything you want. They say some things never change, but the truth is, life is full of surprises, and as your story unfolds, the city reinvents itself, and just like that, a new chapter begins. Hello and welcome to Still Watching. This is the podcast from Vanity Fair, where usually we are discussing a single episode of a TV series at a time. Uh, This time we are doing a very special one-off episode on And Just Like That, a.k.a. the new Sex and the City. Uh, We are going to discuss the first four episodes of And Just Like That, because uh, that is what has aired as you listen to this, and that's what's been provided for people to see in advance. And to join me, uh, well, I'm Katie Rich. I should have introduced myself. Uh, And I'm joined by Hilary Busis. Hello, and Julie Miller.
1: Hello, hello, Hillary. That was such like a sexy hello, such an introduction. Ooh, Very sexy. City appropriate. I
2: mean, do you, I, I could just do this entire thing as Samantha, if <laughs> that would help. Would would that be would, that be would that be fun puns? for everyone? Oh, honey. I want you to have
0: as many uh, puns as possible to us uh, because there's they're seriously laughing on the news section video
2: yeah well at least we are four or sorry three white women discussing
0: <laughs> it's true it's true it's the only uh <laughs> legally required to discuss the show i think um so we want to talk about the first four first four episodes we can get into detail on what's on the show um but i think we have to start with the news about the show that's been dominating in the last week since it's premiered and we're recording this a week early so as you listen to this it's very possible that this story will have developed so we'll, we'll catch up as best we can um But Julie, you have been doing uh, most of the the writing for us about the allegations against Chris Noth that are uh, really disturbing and serious. Uh, Can you just catch us up on where things stand as we record this?
1: Right. Well, even before the allegations, it was a wild week for Chris Noth's related character, because if spoiler alert, if you haven't seen that first episode, but his character dies in a Peloton related death, um, there was this whole scramble because Peloton... Stock plummeted 11% the day after the series premiered. Peloton scrambled over the weekend. They pulled off this commercial kind of reincarnating big with his favorites, uh, Peloton Instructor. The commercial went viral. This was Sunday night's. And Ryan Reynolds was responsible
0: for it, which is a weird footnote that I feel like doesn't have to be
1: included. <laughs> right. He has a production company. He was there. Somehow he manifested this whole thing and he provides the voiceover. Anyway, cut to Thursday. There's terrible allegations surface in The Hollywood Reporter from Kim Masters in which two women who did not know each other, do not know each other, came to The Hollywood Reporter, um, I guess, in in the fall after HBO Max announced that they were going to reboot the series, Um, and they said that they had these memories of alleged assaults that took place in 2004 and 2015 that were triggered by this promotion. Um, One woman claims that she was assaulted by Noth after meeting him at some sort of Los Angeles agency. She claims that she was working an entry level job. She was 22 at the time. This was 2004. He got her number, started calling her, invited her over to a building where he had an apartment, assaulted her there. She claims that she went to Cedar Sinai after, had to get uh, treatment from the UCLA Rape Treatment Center, which confirmed it did treat her, but did not give any specifics of the situation. The other woman met noth in new york city this is um this woman who who uses the pseudonym lily was 25 at the time um and and she claims that she was a sex in the city mega fan so when she met chris noth she was just flattered and he invited her mm-hmm. to il can T- sorry, I'm not pronouncing.
0: Cantarini. I, Il- I remember can- this Excuse, one. Excuse it's
2: it's Cantonori. I'm very sorry that I oh, know no! this. Oh, <laughs> no!
0: I'm very sorry I that I know this that we had with a- such absolute clarity. <laughs> uh, this is why you're here, Hillary. It's okay.
1: <laughs> right. So she claims that he invited her over for dinner. She was all excited because the restaurant served a plot line in Sex in the City. She gets there. The restaurant's closed. They have wine. Noth invites her back to his apartment around the corner and then... She claims he assaulted her there um anyway, so these these allegations come out on Thursday in the hours afterwards. Peloton pulls this this ad that they had put together in forty eight hours from all of its social media accounts h b o has not responded to any of you know questions for comments. And today, um, there these allegations just seem to be gathering momentum on Twitter at least. But you know, we'll we'll see how this this lands in the HBO Max universe and if any of the cast members who I imagine are doing a ton of press right now will have to respond to these allegations.
0: Uh yeah, that was an incredibly sorry, uh, that was very sorry, exhaustive. Ketchup. No. No, but it's I mean it, Wild Ride is really the way to describe it because the Peloton thing was like funny and silly. And then Ryan Reynolds was involved and then it just took this turn to really terrible and and serious. And it doesn't really have anything to do with the show, but it does. And and he's not going to be on the future episodes of the show, which I think is a really uh, big break for the series itself. But, but Hillary, how do you feel like it's overshadowing this kind of long awaited return of Sex and the City?
2: I mean, yeah, it certainly is, especially because you know, not not to conflate a person with the character that they play on TV, but the version of Big, of John James Preston, who is on the show now, has been, like, really kind of sanitized in a way that he wasn't on the original show. Like, Mr. Big, in the original Sex and the City, was always very, like, remote and a terrible boyfriend, and he was always, you know, failing Carrie. Um, and they... they I don't know if it's just the passage of time or a more conscious reevaluating of the character, but you know everybody is kind of treating him on the show as though he was this like saintly, perfect husband. Um, And so having the the dissonance between this more recent version of the character and these actual allegations against the actor who played him is, I mean, that's certainly something that the show it seems. Like the show didn't anticipate it um, it seems I mean I guess it's good for them that he's not on it anymore since you know they won't have to face questions about his continued involvement um, but it yeah. definitely casts a pall over the project, considering the way that the characters are remembering him, um, if that makes any sense
0: so you're Susan Sharon at the uh, funeral saying, does anyone else remember <laughs> what an asshole he was to her it, I mean basically, yeah, it is kind of
2: insane even even when Natasha shows up. Um, in episode three and you know carrie is forced to kind of reconcile her past behavior with her present like it does seem like the show doesn't totally remember how messy and like complicated it used to be um but that's that's very separate from the very real issue of an actual person having allegedly you know assaulted actual women i should yeah you know make that clear
0: yeah, but it does. I th- I think it does speak to the glossiness of the new one, which I think falls for me between the movies and the show. Like I, the the, sh- the movies especially seem to just be the like all fabulous clothes, no real drama version of Sex and the City, and this one seems a little bit more closer to the ground, but it, it's not as real as it felt uh which is a weird thing to say about sex and the city but i think for those of us who watched it in its very early days it really did feel that
1: way right i don't know if you guys experienced the same thing but in that first episode when carrie comes back and they're having this conversation about the salmon and they're just like drinking wine i had this <laughs> moment where i was like is is everybody watching the same show i am it just seems <laughs> so divorced from the reality of of you know the series before that which i guess well, Hillary...
2: I, I feel like what's weird about and just like that is that it's it's kind of artificial in a different way than sex in the city was because sex in the city the original is so heightened so quippy like the clothes are insane the situations are you know very heightened like not, nothing that happened on that show is real none of these women are actual recognizable people But I feel again, just like that kind of conversely, I guess, to what we're saying is trying to make them real and trying to make them kind of reconcile with reality in a way that isn't totally comfortable for them or for the show.
1: Interesting.
2: Like, I think if the if the movies went too far in the direction of like, we're just going to have fashion and shoes and like puns, then this is maybe trying to correct for that. But it's still an overcorrection. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think you see it really obviously in this fourth episode where you've got um, Charlotte trying to invite black friends to a dinner party and worrying about them being only the only black people. And earlier in the season, you kind of have Miranda like really struggling her way through this class. I mean, I think the really conscious effort to have people of color on the show at all um, is kind of I mean, they had to they couldn't have had the show be as white as it was in the original incarnation. Uh, And I've I've really kind of come around on some elements of it. Like, I think. Like Charlotte and Harry as the only white people at this dinner party is funny. Like they and there are a lot of like good moments in that. Um, but it can feel really awkward because there's still a bunch of white people like kind of trying to catch up with the moment. Like, where are you guys landing on that specific um attempt to update the show?
1: I appreciated that they kind of leaned into that blind spot with these scenes around the dinner party and kind of incorporating that as the storyline because the show had been so white.
2: I, don't... I mean, Charlotte. Charlotte even says, "I wrote this quote down. It is unacceptable that we ha- that we uh, or sorry, it is unacceptable that we don't have a more diverse friendship circle." <laughs> which like really like that's a ridiculous thing to say it does feel like something that charlotte would say and it does right. feel like oh yeah it's, it's a commentary on the show but it does make sense also within the show's universe that she would be like having this panic yeah
1: very much
0: and it makes sense for miranda too like i think in that first episode like her like extremely cringeworthy like moment in the classroom was felt pretty terrible to me but i do think Her as a woman who went to the women's march and is like trying to catch up on intersectional feminism and and struggling at it. Like that does make sense as a character beat, even if it's not been presented in the most elegant way. It does.
2: But yeah, I think I think that Charlotte making friends with like a high powered like black woman who is really just like in the same in the same socioeconomic like circles as her makes a ton of sense. I think that Che Diaz, Sarah Ramirez's character is really interesting, especially seeing how they're going to interact with Miranda. I think that the Miranda storyline with her professor is the one that's like not sitting Mm -hmm. well with me, especially like that when they have that conversation at lunch or at dinner about like parenting and trying to have it all. It's like I I just don't believe I don't buy that this woman would want to spend any time with Miranda outside of the classroom, given the way that Miranda (laughs) has acted every time they've interacted.
0: Yeah. And that that character um, played by Karen Pittman still feels like a sounding board for Miranda more than a person, Um, which I think is true of basically all of the new characters of yeah. color, except for maybe uh, Che Diaz. Like, I think they are yeah. more of a person and like. I think we're obviously heading up to Miranda, like having a crush on Che. Whether or not that actually is a relationship, um, so I'm intrigued to see where that goes. And the rest of them, I'm like, all right, guys, catch up. Like these are these have to be people, not just like window dressing. Yeah. To the although
2: although, to I guess the show's credit, they're trying a little bit with Naya's the only one I think that we've seen like at home, away from any of the other characters, right? Like we've we haven't seen what uh I for. <laughs> Forgetting what Charlotte's friend's name is, Lisa? Lisa Todd Wexley.
0: Lisa Todd Wexley. Yes. How could I forget? That's an incredible <laughs> name, though. That's a yeah. perfect Sex in the City name.
2: That's a really good Sex in the City name. But yeah, we haven't like gone home with her. We don't know what her relationship is like. We don't know like anything about her besides her interactions with Charlotte. And like, we have seen Naya speak to her husband on the phone once. <laughs> which,
0: is, <laughs> yeah, I, I think guess. you see them like having coffee in the morning too, yeah. as like part of a montage. But yeah, it's it's not much. I do think that, um, just to talk about Lisa tuttle Wexley for a second, so that's Nicole Ari Parker and then her husband's played by Chris Jackson, a.k.a. George Washington from Hamilton. And the two of them just really fit into this world. I really like them as, like, Sex and the City side characters. So I, I hope we get to see more of them because they, they, they are well set within the Manhattan of the show, I think. right. Yes. And,
2: uh, and Seema, who we meet in episode four, I think, also seems like more of a person um yeah
0: the real estate agent right
2: yeah so she's going to be carrie's friend um and she
1: seems like she's sort of a samantha type right exactly i know mm-hmm. i i'm excited to hear more about her her dating app storyline because she seems the entry point to me about you know michael michael patrick king has teased that one of the reasons they needed to kill big off was because they wanted to see carrie explore these storylines that she couldn't otherwise including carrie getting into dating apps so it seems to me that SEMA is going to be the whole dating app liaison who, who introduces Carrie to that world, if, if my guesses are accurate.
0: I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, The New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for the New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Apple
2: Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You can earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, And 1% on anything you buy with your titanium, Apple Card, or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
0: I do think killing big was the right thing to do. Aside from all of this outside of the show drama we've been witnessing, like, I think that makes for a more interesting story. And I think the show never really knew what to do with Carrie as a happy, happily married person. Like, that's not right a version of a story that, that feels comfortable for this character that we know.
2: Yeah, it always felt, I mean, it always kind of, the whole storyline of the second movie is like, maybe we shouldn't have, like, maybe I shouldn't be with him. Am I bored? The whole storyline of the first movie, obviously, is that he still can't commit to her. Um, Like, and she still throughout all of this, like, keeps her old apartment. Like, it does kind of seem like, the show always wanted to have her have like one foot out of the relationship and just yeah. But I but I will say the way
1: that they killed him is still ridiculous. I know. What would have been a better better take on that? If I, she called 911, I don't <laughs> it w-
0: If it hadn't been like a montage with Lily playing the piano.
1: Right. I know. It was a whole godfather-esque scene, the cuts between that <laughs> that classical music and then the But Michael Patrick King said that he actually raised the the subject of potentially killing Big off to Chris Noth before. He didn't say around what time, but it very much seems like he was trying to make up for that, um, for marrying her off and having her as comfortable As she was, it does seem, and I don't want to be glib about this at all, but the show has, you know, said so much during the promotion of it that they are going to be leaning into these real issues like the pandemic and with Miranda's drinking and that's how she's coping. All these very real life issues that we would get to see the character, characters grapple with. And if we were seeing the version of Big that we saw in seasons one or two, I feel like a mm. very plausible storyline could be that Big was like outed as some Me Too, I yeah. Me Too me too he could have had a me too moment so this honestly feels- i kind of oh, yeah. thought
2: that i kind of thought that that's why they bothered introducing his secretary that like she must have oh some, i don't i thought maybe she would have a skeleton or something in the closet but uh or you know she covered something up but i guess that may maybe would be too dark too dark even for a darker uh
1: <laughs>
2: even for a darker sequel to sex in the city
1: Right. Yeah. But they are just very do very much doing a neat job of kind of like returning Carrie to square one in terms of like selling off this apartment, getting her back there. They're doing a pretty, mm-hmm. pretty efficient job of that.
2: All of her and old I'm- clothes still hanging in that closet. Correct. <laughs> <Right. laughs>
0: she just kept the uh the apartment as a like a, a satellite closet, you know, who hasn't? Um, it's like I a museum her meeting... to her, into her younger self. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, if you walked into that apartment, I would like flip my lid if they like recreated that apartment as some kind of pop up thing. I would <laughs> I would be there in a heartbeat. Um, I like getting her in the third episode where she's snooping around in his stuff and meeting up with Natasha. I feel like that's a really good place for that character to be like paranoid. Carrie is always kind of fun. And then the scene with Natasha, I thought, worked really well. Like, I did not expect to be so happy to see Natasha return. Um, and, and the way they just got into, you know, bygones being bygones, I, I liked that move for them.
1: Well, it's weird. Because I spoke to the writers. They said that bringing Natasha back was a way to remind viewers that this relationship with Big wasn't always pretty. It was very messy at the beginning. Um, but again, it's like they, they did a... a Good job of that with some aspects, but her going through Biggs' effects, I don't know if you guys had the same thought, but I was thinking Carrie would find something much more incriminating than, like, a Pinkberry, you know, punch card. <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs>
0: I love the smallness of the pinkberry punch card, though. Like, it didn't know lie. this man at all. Right. It's, it's it's a that's a nice Sex in the City level. It's detail, a good it's a good specific
2: detail. Like, right. yeah, the amount that she was upset that he had a dog that he hadn't mentioned <laughs> her like that very much felt like <laughs> something that Carrie Bradshaw would make into a big deal. Good because point. looking yeah. back, when you go back and watch like those first, especially the first two seasons, when that's you know their actual relationship. She really does come on very strong very quickly and doesn't seem to have any understanding for like why he has reasonable like objections to that. I know. I need to go back and watch those episodes.
0: I know. I have I haven't rewatched in a long time. I Did I re-watched, rewatched it in recording? a in a fugue
2: state when I was uh on maternity <sighs> leave and like you know, up at three in the morning. So maybe my (laughs) my recollection uh, is definitely colored a little bit by that. But
1: um. I would love to read that essay about your experience (laughs) going through that at that time of your life.
0: Um, Can we talk about Stanford and Anthony, Um, especially because in this uh, fourth episode, um, it seems like they're writing off Stanford because Willie Garson died, which is another really sad aspect of this show coming back. I found that write-off very weird. I have never been a fan of Stanford and Anthony being married at all, so them getting a divorce feels like for the best. But, I mean, is it just the best that they could do with, you know, this tragedy striking in the middle of production?
2: I mean, yeah, what did Michael Patrick King say to you about uh, Stanford, Julie, if you talked about that?
1: Well, he said initially that he had Stanford in all of the episodes for the season, um, but Willie Garson didn't even realize he would be as sick as he ended up being. So I guess when Willie did get that sick Michael Patrick King actually wrote this very beautiful lunch scene between Carrie and Stanford that was going to be essentially a goodbye with Stanford explaining that he was going to go off um, for to represent this client via TikTok, uh, and it was a beautiful scene. But I guess Willie was only able to shoot part of it. He wasn't able to conclude the scene, so. He passed suddenly and Michael Patrick King had to just sort of paper over the fact that they didn't have a way to really walk his character out elegantly. So that's why we get the truncated scene where all of a sudden we find out that stanford flew the coop without saying goodbye to anyone so
2: that is like so heartbreaking to know that that's the reason it's
1: so heartbreaking and i guess his last day on set was filming um, big's funeral and it's hard to believe that he was so sick because he's so full of life during those scenes and you forget how good he is Uh, i think episode three there's that amazing scene where he's uh, at the foretop, and the door keeps hitting him the yes. kitchen door and then uh episode four that he still managed to film a few scenes for that but the genius scene where he's like hiding out and he runs back in to get his martini um it's just very sad
0: <laughs> yeah that um that lunch scene because you forget like how much of sex and the city is based on them sitting at restaurants um and that one with them with the kitchen door is so funny and so well done
1: but he will be missed uh, i just right Yeah. And and
2: just like considering what a what a big part of the show he was like, I understand the limitations. And, you know, obviously, they didn't plan for it to be this way. Obviously, they would have done anything to change, you know, if they had filmed it earlier or something, maybe something else. He could have been sent off another way. But even so, I, I feel like the solution is just very... It it feels it feels haphazard because it had to be, I guess. And it's just kind of a shame that that had to be what happens for Stanford, who, you know, we I guess, you know, Carrie is not going to see him again. And I kind of wonder how the show is going to handle that further down the line.
0: Yeah. Was he? Why does it make sense for Stanford to manage a TikTok star? Is that a thing that's happened before?
1: (laughs) I don't I can't know. remember
2: what Stanford's original uh, we learned Stanford's job at the very beginning of the show and then I think he just never talked about it again. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not that he needed to like I don't care what Stanford's job is. Well what was
2: An- Anthony was a wedding planner right? Well right. Did-
0: yeah. Why is he running
2: a sourdough business?
0: Because he started a sourdough started during the pandemic <laughs> Hillary obviously the p- pandemic is a huge part of all of their lives where they wear no masks and just go to restaurants all the time. And what uh, so I mean- it's
1: all hot guys work there what's the premise?
2: Yeah,
0: it's they like, they it, deliver called uh, like hot buns or oh, something.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, because when you
0: when you buy bread, you want it to be delivered like hand delivered by a shirtless man. Uh, yeah, Anthony having a bakery. I mean, that's fine. Like
2: whatever. Everyone okay, you, like, apparently apparently Stanford to... has always been a talent agent. Oh, uh, okay. We just never knew anything about his work. I feel like his his storylines were never about work. They were always just you know his dating life. As far as I can remember. Yeah.
1: I'm going to really miss his, his point of view. His yeah. But I, I do
2: agree with you, Katie, though, that it was always like crazy that the show put him and Anthony together uh, or that the movies oh my God. put him and Anthony together. Uh, yeah. And so it's nice, I guess, at least to divorce, like put them out, put that relationship out of its misery. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, at least in like the when we do see them together, we see them just fighting all the time because because they always hated each other. Sense. That I was the know. whole point. <laughs> I know they needed to be able to continue hating each other without being in a relationship.
1: And if you are watching this video, either I'm dead or I'm in a very, very, very bad situation.
0: She said, "Oh my God, I can hear gunshots. I can hear men
2: outside. Where are they? What have they done to them? Are they dead? Are they not dead?"
1: There is one suspect, her father the Sheikh.
2: It's Madeline Barron from In The Dark. We've teamed up with our new colleague Heidi Blake at The New Yorker to try to answer a question about one of the richest men in the world, the ruler of Dubai.
1: Why do the women in Sheikh Mohammed's family keep trying to run away? There's five policemen outside and two policewomen inside the house. So basically I'm a hostage.
2: And he reminded me that Sheikh Mohammed can get me anywhere because you're a rich and powerful person you can effectively break any law you want in our country and get away with it the runaway princesses is available now follow in the dark wherever you get your podcasts
0: um all right where are we landing on miranda's whole deal she's like of the three of them i think the one who's struggling like i mean carrie's a widow so like fine she's struggling too but like She's got this drinking problem that's been like telegraphed pretty broadly throughout the whole time. She and Steve are not sleeping together. It seems like uh, Che. It's going to be. I don't know. I like, mean, uh, she has to constantly in. listen to her disgusting son have sex. Oh, that Brady is sucks too much. so much. Why do we have to deal with Brady being so awful? <laughs> I was so not gross.
1: expecting that episode to open up with him having sex. I was not ready for that.
0: Yeah, like the first episode, like one of the first things we hear is about Brady having sex. Not, not what I wanted. Not cool. Like. I get
2: that I guess you know, I mean, it's good, I guess, that it's not called sex in the city anymore, since so few of them are having sex, but right. <laughs> I don't want the
0: one representative of sex to be a 17 year old <laughs> child. Ugh. Um, so anyway, what do we, what, what we think that happened with man- Miranda? How do we feel like they're dealing with her?
2: I Miranda always <laughs> Miranda always got the short end of the stick on the show. Um, she I, everybody got like their share of humiliation sometimes but it sometimes felt like there was kind of a particularly like sadistic streak like she ate cake out of the garbage right
0: oh yeah i think she i think of that often
2: (laughs) she uh, she had like one time her entire like c plot was a guy in a hot dog suit hitting on her (laughs) (laughs) like with with these things in the show's history i guess it makes sense that (laughs) she would be unhappy and uh and searching and kind of pathetic. But yeah, I, it's a it's a bummer. The Miranda storyline, I think maybe that's just because I would imagine all three of us probably identify as Miranda's. but
1: Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Actually,
2: no, Julie, I guess you're
1: you're maybe more of a Carrie. Oh, I I am so flattered at this analysis.
0: I where are you, wh- who are you, Julie?
1: I don't know. I, I guess I've never I maybe I had a little bit of Charlotte, but I love Hillary's take. <laughs> Katie, what are you?
0: I feel like I landed on Carrie often for like the like being the like person writing about everybody in the group, but I think like deep down like I I'm Miranda. Like I think I'd rather be home watching like British television than actually going out. That's um And also, as I told Hillary, her and Steve Sunday setup is incredible. I'm jealous. It might be the most enviable thing on this entire season. (laughs) We're supposed to pity her for it, but (laughs) I know. (laughs) But I there every night if you're gonna set out an entire tray of toppings right and, you know, like in like artfully arranged containers with s- each have their own spoon like i mean the dishes seem insane but that's uh, a separate thing
1: well i i asked michael patrick king and am i name dropping too much i feel like no <laughs> you
0: you're the expert We've- i mean it's not like you guys i mean right were you guys like hanging out at a chic restaurant where you were having this right at the soho that's- lounge
1: yeah, yeah. no <laughs> we were um so house rather uh no, I asked him about Miranda specifically, and his initial response was to say that he had extensive conversations with each of the lead actresses because they are all billed as executive producers. So he kind of implied that Cynthia Nixon very much wanted to shake up Miranda's life. The drinking storyline, the writers, you know, claim that this is just a refracted storyline of what we were all going through during the pandemic, increasingly leaning on alcohol. But the writers were also saying that of the characters, Miranda's the least likely to settle for comfort. She was always questioning things, so she would have a hard time kind of finding herself in this very stationary Sunday bar fueled existence. Um, and when I asked about the Che storyline, because I picked up on, in episode three, a very romantic chemistry. Um, oh yeah, oh that's, yeah, that's explicit. For sure. So, but it, Michael Patrick King and the writers of episode three kind of bristled at that suggestion, saying that, you know, Miranda's eyes were more just widened. Like this was a moment for her to kind of be exhilarated and kind of just jolted out of whatever sleepwalking existence she had had. Um, but it has to, they, huh. they have such incredible chemistry.
2: So that, I mean, that's interesting to hear because it definitely feels like the show is, like Katie said before, at least setting. Miranda up to have a crush on Che even if it doesn't like
1: I, I think that right
2: it doesn't seem super invested in Miranda and Steve as a relationship anymore in the way that it did previously
1: poor Steve Steve just <laughs> he needs to go out I don't know he's half deaf do we know why he's hard of hearing now I just feel bad for him he can't hear <laughs> yeah
0: yeah I don't know I wonder if that's gonna come back in some push I mean do, do you think they're gonna break Miranda and Steve up
2: I think they already tried that and it didn't take so I guess, you know, if nothing else then maybe it'll just, you know, force her to come home and be more invested in her relationship and like try again and but yeah. it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like they care that much about each other and it doesn't seem like the show cares that much about them and if they're staying together for their kid, then their kid sucks. So
0: what? Is- right. <laughs> you can stay together for the kids unless your kid sucks, in which case just get out
1: of there. <laughs> I do like the idea of Miranda, who's always been so in control, being less in control, whether it's, you know, the drinking and I do not condone any sort of alcohol dependency or, you know, she's smoking weed or she's just exploring this new new Mm. side of herself i am am i'm open for that uh,
2: like not for nothing and i'm sure that you know the show must the show knows this like it would maybe mirror some developments in cynthia nixon's actual life and i don't know if they want to stay away from that or if they want to embrace it but like cynthia nixon was married to a man and had a kid and then you know later in life married a woman and yeah and I, would... I mean,
0: it'd be, it'd be more authentic than, like, Samantha being a lesbian for a couple episodes. Oh,
2: for sure. Right. And, and I, I would, would mean... think that having an actual, you know, having an actual, like, queer woman, like, there to, you know, advise and to give ideas, like, that would make a yeah. huge difference. Because, I mean, this is something that Vanity Fair writer Cassie DaCosta uh, wrote after. And just, like, that was first announced was just, like, for a show that was made by straight women and gay men. Like, Sex and the City was always very weird about queerness. Hmm. And the show now seems to be, I mean, through Che at least and maybe in other ways too, um, kind of addressing that and trying to correct for that as well. Like not just the whiteness, but also like, you know, there's an entire episode in the original series about Carrie being uncomfortable with like the concept of bisexuality, which is like crazy to think now that there was yeah. like half an hour of her just being like, Are bisexual people real? Wow.
1: <laughs> and Hillary, didn't you say there was an episode also where Miranda flirts very briefly with the idea of dating a woman?
2: Oh yeah, it's in the it's in season 1. Miranda is like one of one of the partners at her firm or one of her coworkers sets her up with a woman because they think that she's a lesbian. And then Miranda mm-hmm. and then Miranda realizes that, like, it's nice to have somebody to, like, bring to company functions. So she <laughs> thinks, like, maybe I'll give this a go. And then she kisses her and is like, nope, I'm straight. And that's the end of it.
0: That's the exact plot of the the 30 Rock episode where Liz Lemon gets set up on a date with a woman. <laughs> like, and it's just like, yeah, men suck. And then it's like, well, no, you know, keep him around for some reason. Yeah,
2: uh- and that's that's not enough. That does not make you a lesbian. <laughs> not liking men.
0: <laughs> well, how about. How about where they're headed with um Charlotte's kid, um Rose? Oh, yeah, name? Rose. Yeah, like, I mean, sh- watching Charlotte grapple with that is kind of similar to her, like, you know, trying to have non-white friends. It's like, yeah, this is something that Charlotte would, like, try her best around and, like, maybe not be that elegant at. I'm not, like, super sure they're handling it all that well, but I'm interested to see where, where Rose winds up. It feels a little
2: kitchen sink, though. It does feel like, well, you know children children like who are non-binary or who are trans like that is that is a hot button issue right now and we have to find a way to work it into the show like
1: right of the characters though i guess it is nice that we're going to see charlotte who's so girly confront this issue of all of Mm -hmm. them but just in the spirit of plucking cynthia nixon's real life storylines for miranda i would love for miranda to go into politics like, let's just close oh, yeah. out this college storyline.
2: If Sex in Got- the City could make her New York governor, then I think that <laughs> <laughs> I would like to live in that alternate reality.
0: I mean, speaking of alternate realities, like the the pandemicness of it is so weird because like the way they talk about it, I think someone says like, I lost my husband at the beginning of COVID. It's been a year and a half. So it was like supposed oh, to yeah, be yeah, Bitsy, Bitsy Von- yeah, Bitsy
2: Von Muffling and right. her husband, Nathan yeah. Lane.
0: Uh, right, right. Man, what a loss not to have Nathan Lane on this. I'm kind of surprised. Um, Do you think that he just didn't want to be on the show? Like, why would you lose an opportunity to bring back Nathan Lane? Yeah, I don't know. Um, anyway, I, I don't know what they they, they filmed it in the summer. I don't know what they could have done to like anticipate the pandemic still being around. But does it have you guys gotten over the weirdness of them being like, oh yeah, during the pandemic, you're like, guys. It's still going on. We're not done
1: yet. Well, right. It's it's weird to me when they refer to the pandemic because they're living such pandemic-free lifestyles inside these restaurants. Yeah, and the again, fact again, that literally masks. nobody has a
2: mask ever. Like you would <laughs> yeah, think, like that, not even the wait staff. Yeah, you would think at least on the train, which Miranda takes now.
1: Okay. Yeah, right. I mean, they're <gasps> all sharing purse wine. I don't know out of cups. <laughs>
2: Do you That's think true. that everybody has a driver and a car because they're afraid of like, is Carrie afraid of hailing cabs now or afraid of Uber because of the pandemic? Or am I just overthinking?
0: Uh, I, well, I they feel put... like given the way the rest of the show deals with the pandemic that you're overthinking. But I don't know. <laughs> right.
1: They have Miranda on the subway, but the subway they was do never have cleaner. Carrie... <laughs> yeah. But
2: they have Carrie wearing gloves so that she doesn't have to touch the elevator button.
1: Oh, interesting. Oh, they do?
2: Yeah. She mentions that in episode like one, I think.
0: Oh, I remember the gloves. I think I missed that line. Yeah, it's a it's a weird like half in half out. But you know, you imagine somebody watching this in five years, and like God knows, hopefully by then we're not wearing masks everywhere. So like, maybe it just gives them a little bit more um longevity and you know, telling a story that includes a pandemic but not revolving around it. Yeah, for
2: sure. Although for a show that was always very proud of its like like interconnection with New York, New York is I feel like the mate the one place where people wear masks like everywhere (laughs) and so if you want to get like that bit of like verisimilitude
1: right yeah they're really plucking the pandemic elements that they can chicly accessorize so like (laughs) totally gloves (laughs) yes masks no that's such i want to know who's
0: who's (laughs) got the like fanciest at-home testing kit and is gonna (laughs) like compete to show that off what a chic pandemic we've been having
2: maybe in like episode nine they hear about omicron and (laughs) then in ten everybody is hungered down again
0: it's gonna be like the newsroom where they just like do the uh do the news just a little bit later (laughs) Uh, um so do you do do you guys want to predict the future a little bit um so there's gonna be 10 episodes total i should know that there are 10 episodes total so we're not quite halfway through um what do you guys what do you guys think is gonna come next this is so
1: fun Hmm. Carrie's definitely. She's gonna go on some dating app dates. She's gonna realize how different the dating world is. I'm just like, thrilled for her to get back there on on the. Scene. Are we gonna
0: see Aiden again? Is that is that oh. Aiden is Aiden is confirmed
2: to return. Much to my uh, <laughs> much to my distaste, I, I am an on the record Aiden hater. And if this show, after everything we've been through just up and has her wind up with Aiden, I am going to, like, throw my, like, Manolos into the river.
1: (laughs) I can't stomach (laughs) it. And, Hillary, what is it about Aiden that irks you so much?
2: I just hate the way that he... I just don't think that he and Carrie make sense together because no, he just doesn't like anything about the way she actually is. He, like, spent their entire relationship trying to turn her into somebody else, and she... I don't know, like the security of it until she didn't. And like I-, I think that the fact that he is like the one guy that she was with who like wasn't a terrible narcissist doesn't mean that <laughs> they should be in a relationship forever.
1: What <laughs> I wanna I wanna see Burger come back. I wanna know what Burger is up to. That's what I oh wish for. Oh my god. Oh, uh, I would love if Carrie's just swiping through potential hookups and she sees Burger. We get even like a, a face cameo, just a screen Oh, that would cameo. be such a
0: great scene. Like, like bring back Justin Thoreau as that right. author. Yes. And like, Bradley that, Cooper. That, uh, yeah. Okay. What was Bradley Cooper's deal? Was he the one who tipped her like she was a prostitute? Bradley Cooper
2: was the one who saw her on the cover of New York magazine, uh, Single and Fabulous? question mark. Right. right. And he was like, is this you? And then he like drove yeah. off.
0: Uh, oh, yeah, please bring them all back. Like, Tinder's a perfect excuse to not even have to, like, get them on set. <laughs> who,
1: who do you think is going to be the character we're going to see have sex first?
0: I mean, oh, Harry and, Harry me and Brady. Charlotte. He's not. Harry <laughs> <laughs> and Charlotte still mm. have
2: sex, presumably. Yeah, Harry,
0: Harry's strolling through that bathroom shirtless. Like, uh, good for you, Evan Handler. Like, he's looking great. Yeah, if nothing else, I'm really glad that Harry
2: and Charlotte are together and nothing nothing bad can happen to them or their relationship. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I need like because he's the way he deals with her anxieties about like going to that dinner party is so funny and like perfect counterbalance to her personality and like I think tracks with who he is. So I'm I'm still very much rooting for them.
2: Yeah, they're the one they're the one couple that I guess ever really had the potential to make it long term. I mean, oh, we haven't really talked at all about the the Samantha the elephant in the room.
1: Yeah, that's true. What did you guys uh, think of the way they handled that?
2: i I mean. Glad... I, so I saw. Also... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Hillary. I I was just going to say I'm glad that it's a friendship breakup on the show because I think that that's really interesting territory to explore. Um, mm-hmm. and that it's much better than you know it makes a lot more sense than either killing her or. Uh, saying like oh she's just in london and we don't talk that much but like we're still friends and likes having her send texts or something without ever appearing like it's it's the most mm-hmm. it's the most natural way to write her off and it does leave a door open if any if
0: there's some universe ever
2: where kim cattrall would want to return to the show um but yeah katie what do you think
0: yeah i was really gonna say the same thing i'm glad they like got to get got into it i saw someone arguing that like samantha's pride would never be hurt in that way and have a friendship breakup which like I sort of buy and sort of don't. Like, she always was pretty inflappable, but, like, I don't know, being a PR wizard in your 60s is probably not very easy. So, like, I, I could see there being something like that to get in the middle there. Um, I heard, I feel like I've heard someone suggest that, like, what if Kim Patrol really does show up this season? I don't think that's going to happen, but I would be it does seem like they're really, leaving the opportunity. really shocked. That yeah. seems impossible it- to me. I would be happy. I would love to see them, like... Shit, set whatever shit aside and and have her on the show. Um, but I I do think it makes sense the way that they handled it,
2: right? I don't know the fact that they're releasing like trailers and key art for How I Met Your Father at the same time that and just <laughs> like that premiered
0: feels pointed, even if it's not. Wait, what's the connection I miss between this and How I um, Met Your Kim Father? Kim
2: Cattrall plays the Bob Saget role on How I Met Your oh! Father.
0: Oh, <laughs> so she's on her own entire. She's got another show happening, road. yeah, at the same time. Wow.
1: wow. Good for her.
0: What do you think, Julie? Do you miss Samantha?
1: Honestly, I I was good with it. And I, I thought it was a very high road approach to take, you know, factoring that friendship breakup into it. And I felt like they could have definitely villainized Samantha um, in, in a different world, just given all the tabloid backstories. But I felt like they handled the plot line with dignity and respect i asked um michael patrick king if he had heard from kim after the episodes premiered but he said he hadn't um if, if i'm kim cattrall i'm i'm very touched by the way they handled the storyline and hillary you oh, had man. such a- i think
0: she's still burning that grudge <laughs> <I don't
1: know. laughs> um no but hillary you had that good um analysis because they do very much leave an opening for kim cattrall if in any any version of the world she you know her job on the other show wrapped up and she wanted to come back and also we very much see carrie like apologizing to samantha in those text mm-hmm. messages um hillary you're you're Yeah, reading and, us and trying
2: to take yeah trying to take some like responsibility uh or like some blame i guess for the collapse of the the relationship which does feel like a meta touch um although i don't know there are if if and just like that so much of it is sex in the city trying to kind of like apologize for its own past and you know its lack of inclusion and uh you know the the things that it did and said in the 2000s and the 90s that are not as acceptable in the culture today, then I do feel like it's kind of hard to translate Samantha as she was to the present day. Like, right. I think that the show would have a lot of trouble bringing her into anything like real the real world in 2021 just because mm. she is so, like, I mean she she had a whole episode about dating a a black man and about his sister not liking her and like that is I think one of the like cringiest like most difficult to watch episodes looking back like it's it's mm. pretty racist and she had a uh, you know storylines where she was clashing with like the trans sex workers who live who uh were working on her block like yeah. I- <laughs> I don't know. And just and the pandemic stuff, too. Like if her whole thing is like going out and meeting people and having a lot of sex, then like how did you do that even in a briefly post pandemic world? I don't know. I think it would be really hard to write Samantha.
1: Right. She's definitely the least PC of those four yeah. characters.
0: So do you think maybe we'll see like Che or another character like actually having sex to to counterbalance it? Or is it just going to be this kind of chaste version of Sex in the City?
2: I don't know. It doesn't seem like they care that much about sex anymore. It doesn't seem like anybody does. Right.
0: We're all, they're all Miranda's and Steve's just settling for their Sundays and uh, (laughs) and complicated Netflix series instead of uh, having sex.
2: Miranda and Steve come for us all.
1: Right. (sighs) Uh, Although before Big died, Carrie did have him. What was she going to have him do? Masturbate? Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: God. Yeah. Wow. i had really blocked that out. Um, (laughs) That scene was also very embarrassing. That scene was so weird. Especially because, like, they've been married, you know, for God knows how long. And she comes in and, like, asks him about, like, a very basic element of his sex life. It's like, wait. Right. (laughs) And I I mean, I did see people being like, was Carrie always this much of a prude? I was like, yes, she was absolutely always a prude. (laughs) That does ring true.
2: Yeah. She was always writing about other people. And she was never, like, yeah, she was never getting that explicit about her own stuff.
0: Yeah. And her being like on that podcast, like not willing to go there like that all seemed exactly right. But the big part was super weird.
2: Yeah. That and also her uh, continuously asking other people to split like fattening entrees with her. That that rings very clear, too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um,
0: well, I assume you guys will still be watching this every week uh, religiously. Like I, I can't I can't bow out now.
1: Oh, absolutely. I am in till the end. <laughs> yeah. I. That's the thing. Like
2: as bad as it has been as bad as it's gotten it's never going to be as bad
0: as sex in the city 2 i think we can all no. probably agree on that i have not revisited sex and the city 2 but i'm sure that it doesn't <laughs> i'm sure a rewatch wouldn't do it any favors
1: no no not
0: at all hillary yeah, what... this, this franchise is close to through hell we can't we can't give up
2: now right yeah oh, we got to see it through to the bitter end until until the peloton <laughs> strikes and all comes, of us down comes for us all <laughs> what were you gonna say julie
1: Oh, I was going to ask Hillary, the super fan, what storyline is giving you the most joy?
2: Um, what storyline is giving me the most joy? That's a great question. No, <laughs> there's not a ton of joy here. I, I gotta say, um, I really loved this was like a blink and you'll miss it moment. But Ali Stroker, the, uh, the amazing Broadway yeah! actress popping up as one of the podcast engineers yelling at Carrie about her social, <laughs> about yeah. her social presence. I thought that was great. Oh, she, she was fantastic. Back
0: and getting in the fight with that uh, with that guy. Maybe they're the ones we'll see having sex. Um her and that <laughs> other guy from the podcast uh yelling about whatever hookup they had.
2: Oh yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Like I just I want there to be more fun. I think I understand why it has the tone that it has. Like you kill off a major character, like you don't want to just move away from that, but I do want it I want it to be more fun. I want it to be more quippy. I want there to be more comedy, I guess. Um that's kind of what I'm hoping for from the rest of the season. I don't know. What about you guys?
0: Yeah, I'd land right about there. And I, I do feel like it's getting there. I feel like it led that funeral episode being kind of the like nadir of comedy. Like it's been lightening up after that. So I've got I've got hope that that's the direction it's
1: heading in. Right. She really got rid of all the big trappings, including this apartment. And she's going to be I feel like, again, within those four episodes, they've finished up all the big storylines. And I think we're going to see her really starting in some new dating related directions. And I'm curious also what that's going to do to the relationships, just given Charlotte's in such a different place in terms of being married and having kids. And Miranda's going yeah. through such a very different storyline herself.
2: I mean, yeah, in some ways that was kind of the most unrealistic thing about the original show is that these four women are friends in the first place. are friends mm-hmm. who are like close enough that they get lunch all the
1: time. Right. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I, my my vision of adulthood from this show definitely involved a lot more like brunches, um, <laughs> with with the same people every week. It would it would be nice. All right, I think we can leave it there. Um, we are not planning to do another still watching about Sex and the City, but who knows? Maybe um, there will be something so shocking in a future episode that we must reconvene on mic. when Aiden um, falls off the treadmill in episode <laughs> nine. <laughs> I mean, Hillary, if you say that out loud and it happens, like you're going to get the blame. So just be prepared for Aiden Nation to come after you.
2: Uh, I would gladly. I would gladly take the ball.
0: Um, well, and usually at the end of still watching, we um, have everyone say where you can be found on the internet. So, Hillary, why don't you go first? Oh yeah, sure. Um, find me on Twitter at hillabuster. And how about you,
1: Julie? Also on Twitter at Julie W Miller.
0: Um, I'll be scouring the curbs of the Upper East Side for the pelotons that have been given away <laughs> by um, the furious <laughs> people. But other than that, uh, I'm on Twitter at Katie Rich. Uh, This episode, as always, was edited and produced by Dave Gonzalez. And uh, in the meantime, happy holidays, everybody.